One of my favorite deeper dives of 2023 was the one we did with Nurse Nikki on the new mastitis protocol. We got so many great questions and comments during the deeper dive from all those who attended live. Shout out to Naomi, who told us at the end that she was going to fix all her care plans right away. Same, Naomi. Use the link in the show notes to subscribe and have monthly live access to all of our deeper dives, as well as all of our recordings going all the way back to January of 2020. You don't want to miss out on this. And we can't wait to see you at the next deeper dive. I'm Annie. And I'm Leah. And this is Lactation Business Coaching with Annie and Leah, where we talk about the smart way to create a compassionate and professional private practice. Let's dive in. Hi there. Welcome to our bonus episode. This bonus episode is actually one of the first deeper dives that Annie and I did together. We're delighted to share it with you. Enjoy. Welcome, everybody. Thank you so much for coming to the deeper dive into business setup. And I'm Annie. And I'm Leah. Yes. Welcome, everybody. We are, um, for those of you who were here last month, thank you for coming back. And those of you that are new to this month, welcome. So here's how we're going to do it. Leah and I prepared some discussion questions and we're going to open with kind of like um, Leah has a little like short exercise we're going to all do together, but we're going to run this like a support group meeting where we're going to ask questions and then we're going to discuss and share and, you know, share to the level you feel comfortable. If you have something specific that you came here to talk about, we're a small enough group that I think that would be totally great if you want to brainstorm with this group of smart people who are all here today. So welcome. So let's see what we'll do to start is I'm going to give it to Leah and she's just going to open us up with a little motivation. <laughs> well, I just want to welcome everybody here today. And I'm so excited that you guys are here. I just am really envious, actually, if you are starting out in business that I cannot imagine how my business would have started out if I had had this type of resource from the get-go. I know the journey might have not been so bumpy, but certainly not so lonely and not so kind of scrambling to figure things out. So I always like to start just bringing us here present. I know you might have family running around in the background or things on your mind for like the next thing that you need to do after you get off this call. But just want to take a minute to just have us all kind of focus on being present in this moment so we can get the most out of this call possible. So first, I just want you guys to all take just a few nice deep breaths, just really breathing in into your belly. I want to do that three times to get started. And as you're breathing, just kind of think about letting everything else around you melt away. And then I just want you to shut your eyes for one moment. And I want you to think as big and as far into the future as you need to of like your biggest, biggest, biggest dream for your business. Like just try to think, what would it feel like if you were living that dream? Would it feel exciting and like you've made it, you're there, just 
you know, hold on to those feelings of you've made it. You're where you want your business to be. You know that you maybe have more flow, that you are feeling really confident and that you have the systems and the practices set up just the way you want. And just take one more deep breath as you hold those feelings. All right. And then let's let's come present. Thanks everybody for doing that with me. I think it's so important for us to remember where we're going and not get too caught up in the day-to-day because that helps us keep that bigger vision so that we can keep being awesome and growing. Let's get started, Annie, with some questions and discussion. All right. So I would love to just throw this out there as a like question, just jump in, which is how did you decide on what type of private practice you would have? And in that process, did you explore other options? Like for me, I just went right to private practice as just me because I didn't really know that anybody did it any other way. I only knew about home visits. I actually didn't even really understand that people had offices. I didn't certainly didn't know there were group practices. What about you guys? What kind of things did you look into? So I think for me, it all kind of happened organically. I feel like I actually haven't really made many decisions along the way. They all just kind of um, started to happen and I had to had to make it more official as I went along. So I kind of have fallen into this situation where I really am always kind of floundering to figure out what is the best way to do stuff. Am I dealing with insurance the right way? How could I do it better? I'm always kind of on the back foot, I think. I feel like I have no business mind in any way whatsoever. I just want to go and see women and that's it. So (laughs) I'm figuring it out as I go. I think that happens to a lot of us. Anyone else want to share? Yeah, I can relate so much to that as far as like feeling like I'm floundering sometimes and that I may or may not have mind for business. It was funny when I was contemplating starting a business, I was talking about it. I was like, oh, well, I see families. You know, I come from a peer support background and I've seen so many families in my community who need help and who need access to an IBCLC, but they can't access for whatever reason. But I can do something to help problem right solve the whole problem but I can do something to help it and and as we were talking he's like well you know what that sounds like it sounds like you're an entrepreneur and I'm like what because that was not ever a word that I would have considered myself to be and the more I looked at it I was like wow I guess that is kind of what that is and so it stuck up on me too I was like surprised and yet at the same time once I sort of embraced that I was like oh well all right that's the direction I'm going then I guess that's the direction I'm going And back to sort of your original question about deciding on what type of practice to have. I'm not a healthcare professional previously. I do not have an RN or anything like that. And so I was pretty sure that the hospital systems and clinics around here were not going to be super interested in hiring me, even once I had my IBCLC. And quite frankly, I wasn't super interested in working there. I like the freedom in my practice things my own way, obviously, within my scope of practice and doing it in a, I don't know, in a way that makes sense. But at the same time, I like not having policy kind of over the top of me and people telling me what I can and cannot do or I can and cannot mention. And I think that was a big part for me as to why I decided to go into private practice. Yeah, I would raise your hand if you feel that way about not wanting to be told what to do. <laughs> yeah. 
sometimes though, it's like, hmm, I'm the one telling me what to do. Am I actually doing a good job of that? I don't know. And I started out like the opposite. I did. I didn't even consider being brave enough to like branch out on my own. I started as a partnership and now own the whole business. So I commend all you guys that were like, I'm just going to do my own because it really was quite a nice help to have somebody with you. Like, okay, we're both going to take this risk together. We're both going to put ourselves out there together. And I think it, it actually made me maybe bolder now because I was able to, you know, stand with somebody to do some of that. And now I feel like, okay, I can can stand on my own and and be a bit bolder. (laughs) So, Mm -hmm. and there's nobody else on the call with a group or, or partnership or anything. Yeah. Does anybody else have a, I know I'm maybe I might put Brenna in the hot seat because I know you've got a group practice. Am I right about that? I, I, yeah, I do have a group practice. I started, um, I started solo and then I quickly realized that it was, it was a lot more fun and there was a lot less competition if I would just hire the people that were my competition. And so that's what I did. Uh, and, and it works for everybody because nobody really likes the admin stuff, but I've got a good head for it. So the people that work with me, they get to just do the part that they like, which is show up, you know, the, everybody has to chart. That's, that sucks. But <laughs> otherwise, they get to show up and do the job that they want to do. And then I handle all the other stuff on the back end. And then I, I really love the idea of hiring somebody who loves to do the part that you hate. And so... That's how that grew, just sort of organically like that. And it's been really great. So Thanks, awesome. Brenna. I like what you had to say. I just hi- brought somebody on as a subcontractor, and she is has, like I think, zero interest in anything admin-related. And that's fine, because she's an amazing clinician. And she actually brings a lot of clinical skills to me that, I, that are, she's stronger than me in some areas. Who else wants to talk about their setup and how they do things? One thing that I am kind of really struggle with is the follow-up part of it. Like I have all my initial stuff all working well, but so many of my clients for so long didn't want to do follow-up. And that's where I was having a hard time setting boundaries and getting very overwhelmed. So when I really sat down to think about the issues that I was having, it was really and encouraging actual follow-up instead of me giving email and phone and text support constantly. So that was a huge shift in how I did my practice. And I actually, I feel like this is a little controversial because so many people don't do this, but um, I don't take insurance. So I'm not like a six visit Edna. I'm all self-pay, but I stopped last fall offering any follow-up other than in person. And that was kind of scary and I'm not really great at it yet um, because so many of my clients have a lot of needs but it's, it's hard to, you know, cut them off. But I also was giving them way too much. Yeah. Which drains yeah. your like energy and focus and can make it get like so scattered all over the place. Yeah. I can fully resonate with that and good for you. Bold move. <laughs> and then what you guys were just talking about a, a group practice. Um, one of the things I struggled because I do want to grow into that eventually is that so many of the people that I would hire are my friend, my they're my lactation friends where I live. And crossing that boundary feels, you know, well, I think we could work great together. Like what if we don't? And so that's a little bit scary too. So those are my two things that are on my mind for business stuff. Yeah. I mean, I think um, we, those of you who were there last month, we touched on follow-up as 
something. And, and I, I know Leah and I had both kind of flagged that as like possible topic to talk about. So maybe I'll just segue into that. Like maybe how did you come up with your follow-up policies? Maybe what are they and are they working for you or are they not working for you? I used to offer, I didn't know that, I think I'm, I'm quite isolated where I am. I don't really know how it works in the US. I'm learning how you guys do stuff, but I didn't know that you're kind of meant to offer follow-up support. So I didn't. And then at some point I had people that, you know, you guys know, they just text continually, email continually. So after getting massively drained for that, I started to chart and said, that I offer half an hour of free follow-up support. And then for every, I think, 10 minutes, I was charging 15 Swiss francs. But I also just found that like too difficult, like if it's 15 minutes, what if it's a, a three-minute message, but it's four times a day, then like where does that fit in? So, so too hard. So now I don't offer any follow-up either. And if people are messaging me all the time, then I... Um, then I'd redirect them to make a follow-up consult and I will do like a half-hour Skype call so for a shorter amount of money but they still have to book it as a normal consultation. So I say like need clarification on something that we talked about in the visit, then that's fine but I think we can all sort of differentiate between the people that are being a little bit needy and pushing the boundaries and the people that just need to clarify something. So I just use my judgment with that but but I don't do the like one week, two weeks free. I, I don't know how people can cope with that situation. <laughs> yeah. Does anyone do that, offer the free follow-up and feel like it works for them? Jennifer? Me. And, and Maria? So why don't you guys share how you do things? So my background is as a Lelech League leader as well for the last 15 years. So I think part of that is guilt. I'm finding it the transition quite difficult. You know, oh God, I'm getting paid for this now. I really need to offer something extra. You know, when I leave the house, I just feel like, God, you know, they're expecting it. Maybe it's an Irish thing because it's, you know, lactation consultants are not, there's not a huge amount of us in Ireland. So, like, I just feel that I have to offer the two weeks and I'm not getting, like, booked for, like, in-house follow-ups again. So. And it is a bit like I've had four clients in the last few days and I'm now thinking I've got to do two weeks follow-up with all of them. So my head's a bit bambled with white now today, so it's good to be talking about it. What about you, Jennifer? Yeah, so I also offer two weeks of like the secure messaging. I use Intake Q, which I am super happy with. And I have found, and, and I don't know, I was thinking about it, like maybe this is a Midwest thing. I, I'm not actually from the Midwest originally. I'm from Wyoming originally, so I'm kind of a transplant. But the people that I have worked with, um, I feel like they're almost like apologetic when they're asking me to text them back or to <laughs> message them back. They're like, oh, I'm so sorry to bother you. And I'm like, this is my job. Like, <laughs> mind. In fact, I kind of want you to be following up with me. So I don't know if that's just a different regional thing or what that's exactly about. But I have been offering the two-week secure messaging. The clients that I have worked with have been very, very amenable to doing it over the intake queue portal. So I have not had a lot of texting. I have not had a lot of calling. I've made it really clear, like at the beginning, that this is how I prefer to do 
the interactions over the portal so that it's not, they're not expecting an immediate response and I can get to it when I get to it. And I am so new that I am finding it really, really valuable to have that um, communication with the clients that I have seen. Because otherwise, I feel like if I don't offer anything, I just, it's like goodbye, sight unseen. I don't know what's happening with that family. I don't know if the recommendations that I made are actually making Mm -hmm. a difference. I don't know if they're following the recommendations that I have given them. And so I feel like at this point in my practice, it's as much for me as it is for them. And great learning tool. And it's beneficial for both parties. I definitely felt that way when I was starting, you know, the follow-up that I offered was, I felt like it was part of my own continuing education in a lot of ways, because I really had to see if what I was saying was working. And I think that's definitely a valid reason to offer more than what people are expecting. And, you know, or like what Maria was saying about, she feels like she has to make sure she gives them something because now she's charging. And there's like, I feel like, and you can jump in if you can relate to either one of these, like part of it is like, you want to make sure they get their money's worth or they feel like there's value. And um, when you're building a private practice, get doing those extras for people can be really helpful for word of mouth. Like people are like, Oh, and Maria is amazing. She helped me so much. And, and, but then there's also like, I'm doing it like what I'm sorry, picking on you, Maria, because I feel like you said things that were in my mind, like I, and I still struggle with is like feeling guilty that mm-hmm. like, I, you know, really worked so hard during the consult and I made this amazing care plan. And then if you fail to meet your breastfeeding goals, completely my fault. Yeah. And so I better make sure that you make your reach your breastfeeding goals or I'm going to feel terrible. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if anybody, you know, has sees one. Raise your hand, that. everybody. We all yeah. feel, I think I could say I could feel very similar. And I do, I do the two week follow up for my practice, but I do take it so much case by case. Like there are some people that I would even check in on, if, especially if it's like we're having some really urgent needs, you know, I might even check in on them versus them reaching out to me. But then others, like it's the balls in their court a hundred percent for those two weeks. And I think Jennifer was saying that like really set the stage on how the follow up was going to go. And I make sure I say that like, I say that multiple times throughout the visit, like, you know, things might change in the next, even the next 24 hours. And if they do, if, you know, if we're seeing something different happen than what we're expecting, like, this is how you can tell me, this is when I want to hear back from you. This is, um, you know, the, how long I'll be available to you. And if these things happen, then we're going to have to meet again in person. That's all like really helpful to like set the expectations. So then it doesn't feel kind of salesy when you're like, we need to meet again. Uh, or like you're just trying to get money, you know? So anyway, does anybody else have another kind of how you're dealing with follow-up or any wording that you use? I feel like a lot of my clients, like when I leave them, I don't mind the texts or phone calls, well, to a limit, but none of them ever do. So like at the end of my visit, I'm like, you know, if you have any further questions, call me, text me, or email me. I don't mind. Like, you know, let me know how you're doing. And then I never hear from them. Mm. So are you, out to them or should I do I just wait to hear from them yeah. um because most of them don't ever call me again so I mean I don't know if that's better so, so how many people actually reach out and check in on on your clients and how many people don't maybe some people can jump in on like the both ways so do you reach out or do you wait 
So I'm going to take just a minute to tell you about Kathy's upcoming course. It is called Understanding Infant Reflux and Related Conditions in Lactation Practice. Early bird pricing is open now through May 16th, and which is the day, May 16th, when all of the course content is going to open. We've got six hours of recorded videos plus an additional two SERPs. So that's eight L SERPs total for self-study work that Kathy is going to be grading and reviewing and giving you feedback on. So Kathy, you put your heart and soul into this course. I know all of the research that you did. What is one of the things that you're most excited about teaching learners in this course? Yeah, maybe we shouldn't pay any attention to occult blood in the stool. I've actually had a couple of moms on elimination diet because of a positive occult blood test in perfectly happy, healthy babies. And this makes really no sense at all. But that's one of the little take-home messages. There are many. It's filled with nuggets and gems like that. Every second of this training is going to give you things that you're going to be able to use in your private practice. So definitely sign up for that. You'll have once you're in, you're going to have all the way until May of next year to get through this content because it's stuff that you're going to want to watch and rewatch again. So we're so excited that Kathy put this course together for us. I definitely want to know how my patients are doing. I can't stand the thought of doing intake and then not knowing. So actually, if I haven't heard from them, I contact them to make sure they're doing good. So I kind of do a follow-up phone call to make sure things are well. I'm not the the type of person that can not know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I've been trying to encourage them to to book the follow-up and the initial together and giving them a discount there. So that way I can just know in my mind, both both myself and my client, we're, we've kind of got the secure, the, the double visit is kind of what I'm promoting and trying to push. That's a great idea. I just had something happen in my practice, which was somebody who like, there was a great vibe, everything felt great. The follow-up was booked. It's an Aetna person. So they're, it's not like they're paying out of pocket for the follow-up. And then they canceled the appointment and just ghosted. And we were like, do you want to reschedule? Nothing. And then I sent an email like, we're always looking to improve our practices. If there's any feedback you want to give us about our work together, we would welcome it and nothing. And so like, that is like what you're saying, Teresa, about wanting to know how people are doing. It's because those ones are like haunted. Cause I'm like, either something bad happened to you or you hate me. Like there, I I can't find like a good answer that this is happening. (laughs) Although I will say, just to give you some peace of mind, Annie, I have had that happen a few times. And then, you know, six months down the road, I'll run into them at some like random fair or even had somebody I ran into at the grocery store and they were like, oh my gosh, like you were so amazing and everything worked out and we were doing so awesome. And I tell every single person I meet about you and It's so funny because I was like, I literally have spent the last six months tormented that you are out there probably telling everybody how I ruined your whole breastfeeding relationship. And I literally sat in torment this whole entire time. And, and the turn is that everything was fine. 
and they just put us off their radar when breastfeeding is going well. And that can be so hard though. I, I, I'm with you. Andy. Yeah, I know. That's a great, (laughs) it is a great point. It is about checking in on people and managing those, like the emails yeah, and the I'd messages. Other people. Can I just respond a little bit about like my my concept when I feel like I have no follow up? I think there are like different facets to that, but but I would say like, definitely within a week of seeing somebody, I will always write them an email just to check in with them, and usually they will give me like a, a pretty detailed response with how things are going, and if they have little questions, I will answer them, and then if they need a follow-up from that point, then I can offer that to them also. So I suppose like in that way, it is some form of follow-up, but I don't advise it as part of a package, I suppose. Mm. So I'm, I'm working only with like the immigrant community here and it is nearly solely people that are without any community support and without any family and often don't have friends. So when you make a good connection with somebody, you're desperate to have a really nice connection with somebody. That I think when I do offer that free follow up, that it is very, very continuous. I've never had that situation where people just don't check in when they know that it's a free service. So I think that that was something where I really had to set the boundaries for, for the personal level, I think. So that's probably just about the community that I'm working with that's a bit different, I suppose. I, I've had that experience. With follow-up, I, I've never had to chase anybody down. Yeah, I had much more. I'd have to set best strong boundaries because they're like, can we just be friends? And I'm like, no. <laughs> There's vulnerability and sharing and you're really intimate and you go through something like really hard together. And then they're like, okay, well, now that you know everything about me, we can just be friends now, which is not what I want to do. It is hard because you are so like just implanted in this very intimate part of their life. You you just naturally feel like super connected. I mean, you've seen them in their pajamas in their bed. You know, how many other people in your life do you see that except for maybe your really close friends, you know, are half naked in their bed. And so it's like you do feel this really like close connection. Sometimes I have a hard time setting the boundary that I know I need to set too because it's like, oh my gosh, I feel like, we know we know everything about each other, although they don't know anything about me. But I hear you on that. It's really it's really challenging. Like the less anybody's asking me to be their friend, because I'm like my kids. Like there's no play dates happening. I have a nine <laughs> and a twelve year old. Maybe like in a few years, I'll be offering my twelve year old for babysitting um, <laughs> to my clients. <laughs> but it is such an intimate thing. I you know I get here in New York City like the style of follow up requests that I get are the people will text me and they haven't read the care plan or, and they have it. And maybe I've even reminded them, like, can you look at the care plan? And then they'll text me and be like, why is my baby crying? And then I'll get, and I'll be like, not responding. And then I'll get a text like two hours later. Like my baby is still crying. Like, like, like I'm still at their house. Like, and so we get like a certain population that is, very used to getting everything on demand immediately. Like they're living in these luxury high rise buildings that have all the amenities, you know, their family paid for the baby nurse to come for two weeks and do that. And, you know, like, like in New York city, it's like, you know, everything is just there for you. Like, and so they sometimes treat us like 
I'm on call for you. Like if your baby's crying, I'm, I'm going to explain it to you right this second. And which is weird. I see it more with my insurance clients than my, than my self-pay clients. I feel like my self-pay clients are like, I just paid a lot of money for that. Maybe I shouldn't bother her so much. Um, <laughs> and you think it would be the opposite, but I don't know if anybody like the bound, like they do not care about my boundaries unless I put them up and I've had to be really firm. Then that makes me feel, I feel bad about that. And that's because I used to be a leader. So I do have all that leader guilt that so many of us have brought up. And I don't know if people who weren't well of leaders, if you're free from that guilt that we have, like those of you that came up from a WIC peer counseling background, are you like, is it just a Lalecha League thing that we are basically like indoctrinated to say, just give it away, give it all away. I don't know. Do anything you want. Just please keep breastfeeding. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Is anybody free from that feeling of guilt that some of us have brought up? I'm a WIC breastfeeding pair counselor and I still feel like, oh, we got to offer a support group for free and we got to give this for free because like on WIC, the whole point is that it's for free. And so I'm constantly talking to people like basically on call 24-7, even now, and I'm not even an IBCLC yet. And I do have that guilt. Even now, like I have the guilt when I've been talking to someone and Awesome, like they ghost kind of a thing. And I'm like, what do I do? Are we not offering enough free stuff? Like, are like something else we need to offer? And like, I start panicking. And then my boss is like, no, you need to calm down. We're doing okay. (laughs) But (laughs) like, it's still things that go through my mind, you know? So I totally feel that. So one of my uh, older co leaders gave me a a tidbit of of wisdom when I first started being a Lelechevig leader that helped me moving into the professional that can't want it more than the client. Or more than the family. And that really helped me transition the responsibility for their success on them. So I'm hoping that that can help me have more boundaries in situations like you described, Danny, where people haven't read the care plan. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In the chat, for those of you on the phone, Jennifer is recommending Liz Brooks's article about stepping away from the mini consult, which is like, yeah, I'm like, that's like everybody must read it. Yes. <laughs> and Tierra is saying she is stop feeling that guilt after having her last baby. And yeah, I mean, I think like that is, that is super healthy because your life and your family needs have to come before these people. And yeah, breastfeeding is important. And, you know, there's like the one side of it, which is you're a business owner and doing too much follow-up with people and not enforcing those boundaries can be really harmful to you as a business owner because you're going to not you know, all the time you spend helping people for free is going to not allow you to have time to help people who can pay you. That's one piece of it. And then the second piece, though, that is even more important than being a business owner is that you are a human being with a life. And whether you have zero babies or 55 babies who are dependent on you and people who need you, even if it's just you who needs yourself, you need yourself more than those people need you. Yeah, it's such an important reminder. It's so hard when you're in the dregs and we want so hard to you know, help these families be successful. It can, it can feel really challenging. Yeah, so I'm still a lecture leader. Tomorrow morning I'm doing a meeting. But I decided when I became an IBCLC that I wouldn't do any more home visits. So that was me kind of setting that boundary. But I did decide to start up a pregnancy group, a free event once a month, so I can meet more pregnant mums and get my name out there in the community. Good idea. One of the things that I have noticed is that just because I want to help doesn't mean I have to, in the sense that I could make time, 
But sometimes in the end, cutting that off a little bit means that I have more energy, more time for other things, like running a support group that could actually help more people um, mm -hmm. and allowing myself to have more space for getting creative with some kind of projects or offering classes. So my energy was spent with a lot of my, well, my clients just did a ton of and as I got busier, I was feeling more and more overwhelmed. And then I had someone say to me, well, you're overwhelmed because you're not having those boundaries. And I was like, oh, like, that never really important to me that that was the cause of him. So even though I could do it, it was like, fine. I was probably not giving as much attention to my kids as I could have. Once I really set those boundaries, and so much of that is being preemptive and ahead of time instead of when it's happening. Once that started happening where I realized what a shift I had in my ability to take on other things that were actually a lot more productive on there. That's great. So important. Yeah. To bring it back to business setup, if anybody had any has had any success with any like paid follow-up programs or how you're converting your clients from a one one and done to multiple visits. Like I've played around with the, you know, buy my email support package, which was a non-starter here. I've experimented with my pricing to see if I make the follow-up way less expensive. Maybe people will book them. I guess like, has anybody had any success with any strategies like that where you've actually been able to get paid for doing follow-up? Yeah. So last fall I try, I was like, I'm going to make this program and I'm going to do like group calls as part of the package. I'm going to do some in-person group stuff, like more clinical um, instead of like a general support group for my clients, because maybe they don't want to come and pay me again for a follow-up visit. So it's a, a reduced rate, but it's more of a group setup. Zero people use zero. And so I was like, okay, well, that was a flop. But what I discovered in it is people were actually willing to pay for the one-on-one follow-up. They really wanted the one-on-one -on -one with me. And so then I felt more confident that what I'm charging for my follow-up, which is at a much reduced rate, because that's how I set it up to encourage the follow-up, but I didn't have all that non-paid time. That's what they wanted. And so now I feel more confident in actually saying, this is what I have. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. So good. That's exactly, oh, this is Brenna. Uh, that's exactly what I found. I have a once a month free group where we do follow-up stuff if somebody doesn't want to pay for it. And people come. But it's on the weekend, so working parents can come too. But we, I, I just book my follow ups at the end of the first, at the end of the visit, and it's I my average is four to six follow ups, so I don't really have an issue. It's not a, something I've ever faced is like people not coming. But I mean, once in a while, somebody will not come back. But it's that's usually you know they'll switch to a different consultant in our practice, or I'll say, hey, um, I I realize you didn't schedule for the last few weeks, so if you want some more support, and if our support wasn't right for you, here's a list of people that I that I recommend in our area, just in case, you know, that's something that, you know, I said something horrible and I had no idea. Can you share with us how you actually phrase that to your families? Because like, I, I, I mean, I personally, like the thought of somebody paying out of pocket to see me four to six times is, I mean, that would be amazing. Cause that's what I get with my Edmund people when I, I get to see them so many times and they do really well. So, I mean, how, how do you, what, what do you say? Give us the script. <laughs> I'm cheap. I think that's part of it. Uh, it might, like an initial office visit is $200. And then the follow-ups are 100 
And I start at the beginning, you know, we, we talk about what's going on. And it's like at the beginning of the first visit, I assess the situation, I get the backstory, I look at the complexity of the visit, and it's usually pretty high, like I'm not usually somebody's first stop. And so I look and say, you know, I think this needs this situation needs between two and three visits. And then at the end of two and three visits, we can reevaluate and add more if we need more, or we can, you know, if I two visits, everything is cool, then we will, you know, we won't build a third. Um, and how does that sound for you? And and then I talk, we talk finances like right then and there so that nobody's surprised. Nobody is like struggling or, or suffering or like feeling like the, the finances are a barrier because we do payment plans. We'll do, you know, all sorts of flexible things. But in that case, you know, then everyone is, is at the outset prepared for the cost. And so we'll book, you know, I had one client, she booked all the visits and you pay, you pay at the time of booking. She booked them all. She booked four visits at that moment <laughs> and paid oh, for wow. all of them just out the gate. So she had a standing appointment and was ready to go. And then she didn't have to worry about it. And neither did I. And she's actually, we just finished and four was exactly what she needed. So we were both patting ourselves on the back. And so that's, and then, you know, if we don't book them all, we don't usually book them all right in one visit, but we usually will at least book the next one at the end of the, you know, at the same, the same way as you would like a chiropractor or anything else. Like I'm going to tell them, listen, I think you still need care because I think sometimes they don't know that they still need care. And when we don't directly say it, it's, it's a nebulous thing. So they feel like they're left to kind of put the pieces mm. together themselves. I totally agree that like letting them know that this is, like something that you need helps take the burden off of them to feel like I've got to figure this all out now on my own. Now that she gave me this one care plan, I feel a lot of moms feel relieved that they know, okay, I'm going to work on this for a week or two weeks, whatever it is. And then we're going to have this like end point and this reset and this check-in. I feel like so many families feel relieved by that. I agree. As we finished up, one of the questions that Annie had put on our, or we had talked about doing, which I just think is a neat question to just spur our minds forward thinking is like if, and, and like what things do we want to address? What things do we want to be thinking about? But if you had a magic wand to fix, you know, let's narrow it. One thing in your practice, if everybody wants to share however much time we have, um, just one thing in your practice that you would just like to magic wand fix. And maybe let's stay away from follow-up because we've already discussed that. But I'd love to just hear kind of what are the burdens that everybody's feeling um, or things that you would love to, to fix. Insurance. <laughs> oh, yes. Uh -huh. oh, and me both. <laughs> like on like a national level starting. And, <laughs> yes. uh, yeah. I don't oh. know if this is topic per se, but I have so much anxiety around surrounding marketing. If I could wave a magic wand, like everybody would just know me and refer to me and be done. I would not have to walk into anybody's office ever and ask to work with them. So that Yeah. That's a good magic wand. I want that magic wand too. <laughs> uh -huh. Would be finding and hiring another IBCLC because of my workload is more than I can manage at the moment. Mm. My magic wand would be uh, email. I, when people send me an urgent question through email or try to book through email, I just I then I find it three three months later. Just go to the website. Yeah. I don't know why you do that. If I could wave a magic wand, I would make myself be on time for all my consults <laughs> instead of none of my consults. 
um, like there to just be um, Fiona Terichel, that there would be anybody else that was doing English speaking, breastfeeding support in my whole country. That would be one. Yeah. Being the only one in your area is so, can be so isolating. That's not my experience as an IBCLC, but it was my experience for a long time as a Lelicha League leader. And it really, it's really stressful to feel so alone that way. So, and we know that there are, there are not enough IBCLCs in this, you know, in the world, there is, there are not enough IBCLCs for all the families that need us. And you know, to what Courtney said about marketing. I mean, my goodness, we should not have to market our services. Like we are offering something that nobody else can do that. And the people are trying to do it, don't do it right and make things worse. Like what they should be seeking us out. I mean, and, and that's like kind of a bigger picture issue that like our licensing board and our, and our coalitions and our ILCA chapters should really be doing a better job of advocating for us as a profession. And, and I mean, that looks, like a, something different in every area, you know, state by state here in the U S and different countries and different provinces in Canada, you know, there's so much involved in that, but it's hard that we have this really difficult business that people think we should be giving away for free and that healthcare providers don't think that they need us. And we have to do all that work to basically like get to that starting out point that like, like my hairdresser is like, she cuts hair and she does a good job. And I call her when I need my haircut because I'm not going to try to do it myself. And I'm not going to ask my doctor to do it for me. Right. Or my mom, like, but you know, we're like, yeah, everybody can do breastfeeding, but us. So as we wrap up, I just want to thank all of you for coming and talking and sharing so much because that's, that's the kind of space we really aim to create here. And so next month, our deeper dive is about intake, which I think we're going to kind of mean to encompass everything having to do with getting your new clients, setting their expectations, getting the information you need without overwhelming them. How do you, you know, what do you do with the information that you get? And even we can even talk about some technique, like how to actually, how you send them, um, you know, tech, tech support for some of those trickier questions um, about the different platforms. I'm, all, I, I'm happy to use our time to answer those questions. I hope you guys all have a wonderful, wonderful day or evening or night, wherever you are. <laughs> wherever you're starting. And thank you. Bye, guys. Thank Bye. you. If you enjoyed today's episode, please share it with a friend and leave us a review. Be sure to hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. Did you know that for just $15 a month, you can join our live deeper dives and also get all of our recordings back through January of 2020? Sign up today and be part of the conversation. The magic happens when you show up.